Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. This week, we're joined by teaching pastor Tammy Melchine as we conclude the series, Searching for Answers. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. Today, we'll be concluding our series, Searching for Answers, by looking at one more question that people frequently search on Google. Now, if you've been with us for this series, you know that we used a little informal research to discover the types of questions people are asking online. Sometimes these are head questions that relate to our minds, like the question we addressed in week one, how do I deal with anxiety? Other times, we search for what might be considered heart questions that relate to how we feel, like the question we talked about in week two, what am I supposed to do with my life? If you missed either of those messages, I encourage you to go back and watch them on demand. But today we're going to ask a third kind of question. We might think of these as hands questions. They relate to practical things we want to know or do. In fact, my guess is these kinds of questions are the ones we most frequently search for online. As I was writing this talk, I got curious as to what types of practical questions I have recently searched for. So I looked at my Google history. There I found things like, how do I replace a tub faucet? And yes, I found the information, I bought the new faucet, and it's still sitting on my kitchen table. Another recent search of mine was, where can I get hail damage repaired in Plainfield? That hailstorm was a fun part of my summer vacation. And finally, my most interesting search, how old is Flo from the progressive commercials? Now, not sure why that was a burning question for me, but I Googled it, and I'll save you the time. She's 51. We often seek out practical information online, and today we're going to tackle a practical question that is popularly searched. How do I read the Bible? Maybe you've even Googled that yourself. A study by the Barna Group found that 87% of people in churches want help understanding the Bible better. That would suggest that the vast majority of us are interested in this question. And I think there's a reason for that. Do you want to know what it is? The Bible can be hard to understand. In fact, let me ask you, how many of you would like to grow in your ability to read the Bible? Me too. How many of you at times find the Bible really hard to understand? Me too. And sorry if that freaks you out a little because I'm the one standing here teaching the Bible, but it's true. Sometimes I find parts of the Bible really hard to understand. I mean, what are we supposed to do with a command like this? Do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. Now, I don't know about you, But I never even thought to cook a young goat in its mother's milk. I can't think of an occasion where that would even be desirable to me. Or how about this inspiring Bible story? From there, Elisha went up to Bethel. As he was walking along the road, some boys came out of the town and jeered at him. Get out of here, Baldy, they said. Get out of here, Baldy. He turned around, looked at them, and called down a curse on them in the name of the Lord. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the boys. When I was a kid, they told us stories using flannel board pictures, but I don't remember this one. A few years ago, the New York Times Sunday Book Review sat down with screenwriter Judd Apatow 
And they asked him, what book do you feel like you were supposed to like and didn't? To which Apatow responded, the Bible. And he went on to explain, it's just not working for me. I wish it was. Wouldn't it be great if it did work for me and I had the peace one gets when knowing the universe is just and kind and guided by eternal intelligence? And then he added, maybe I'm reading it wrong. It's okay to admit that many of us struggle to read the Bible because sometimes it feels like the Bible is hard to understand. So why bother? Why should we still try? Why should we still seek out answers to the question, how do I read the Bible? Well, today I wanna provide you two reasons why this is such an important question. And then we'll dig into some practical ideas for reading the Bible. So let's talk first about why reading the Bible matters. And let me start with a story. Recently, I came across a story by the BBC entitled Syria's Secret Library. Now, if you've watched the news over the years, you know that for the last decade, Syria has been entrenched in a civil war. So many people have been displaced. Hunger stalks the street. But a BBC reporter discovered that a group of people have rescued thousands of books from bombed out buildings to stock an underground library in a besieged suburb of Damascus. The library's patrons, they, they dodged shells and bullets to reach it. And when asked why they would risk their lives to read a book, one user explained, in a sense, the library gave me back my life. I would say that just like the body needs food, the soul needs books. Books motivate us to keep on going. When I read that, I thought about how people are risking life and limbs to read regular books, and we have access to the most valuable book ever written. 85% of American households own at least one Bible, with the average household having four of them. There are reasons this book is the best-selling book of all time. There are reasons why reading the Bible matters. And let me share two of those reasons by sharing the strongest statement about the Bible in the Bible. In his second letter to his young apprentice, Timothy, the Apostle Paul writes, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The first reason the Bible is so important is that it is God-breathed. When Paul uses that term, he's actually inventing a new term to explain how God communicates a message through the, the written pages of the Bible. The Bible is unique, and Paul needed a unique way to talk about it, so he called it God-breathed. What does it mean that the Bible is God-breathed? Maybe think of it this way. A story is told about an American professor who went to Oxford for a year as a visiting academic. And when he and his wife arrived, they were looking around at the older parts of the college at, at what looked like the remains of an ancient crumbling stone building. But then his wife spotted curtains in the windows and people going about their business inside. Honey, she exclaimed, these ruins are inhabited. 
And in a way, when we open the Bible, we can have an experience somewhat like that woman in Oxford. To many, the the Bible looks like an old book, something ancient, filled with stories about, about people who lived a long time ago. But when we read it, a strange thing can happen. Suddenly, we sense something stirring there, something alive and breathing. Reformer Martin Luther described it this way. He said, the Bible is alive. It speaks to me. It has feet. It runs after me. It has hands. It lays hold of me. The early Christians believed that the reason the scriptures were alive was because God had had breathed them in the first place. And that breath, that life is still present and powerful when we read them today. It is the Spirit of God at work as our guide as we read the scriptures. Jesus told us the Spirit would help us in this way. He said, but when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. The fact that the scriptures are God-breathed and that the Spirit is at work in them means that the Bible offers us an ever-present opportunity for a relational encounter with God. His breath is in these words. If we want to know Him and be known by Him, we can find Him here. And there is a second reason why reading the Bible matters. Not only is it God-breathed, it's human equipping. The Bible is very practical. God uses it to teach us the truth, to point out errors, to help us get back on track, and to show us how to live in the ways of His kingdom all so that we can be thoroughly equipped to live the best lives possible. What we have in the pages of this book, it's wisdom from God that can help us flourish as human beings. The psalmist recognized how scripture can help us flourish. He writes these words describing what the word of God, what what he calls the law, can do in our lives. He says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers." Reading the Bible matters because the Bible is God-breathed. It is an ever-present opportunity for a relational encounter with God and because it is human equipping. God shares His wisdom through these pages to help us flourish as human beings. And knowing this gives us a great starting point for how to read the Bible. We should approach the Bible as an opportunity for a relational encounter with God, the God who wants to help us flourish as human beings. To understand how to do this, to actually engage God and receive His wisdom, let's get practical 
Let's talk about a simple method for reading the Bible that every one of us can do. It has three steps. Read, reflect, and respond. So let's start with the first step, read. Now, you might be thinking, I can read, I got that step down. But a couple things can be helpful to consider. To start, decide on a translation. There are lots of different English versions of the Bible, translated by scholars with different goals. For example, this chart shows how some translators choose to translate word for word, which can be okay, but can make the text a little bit harder to understand. Others translate thought for thought to provide a a more readable text while preserving the original meaning. I'd suggest using one of these translations, such as the NIV or NLT. Next, choose a Bible reading plan. Now, Bible reading plans are helpful because they, they direct our reading according to a theme or through a section of the Bible. You can read through a book of the Bible as your plan, or you can join us in a plan that follows along with the big ideas that we talk about here on Sundays. You can do that by signing up for the community daily. Third, and most important, remember that as you approach the Bible, you're not just reading words on a page. You're entering into a relational encounter with God. So invite the Holy Spirit to guide your thoughts as you read. Then, read the passage slowly. Read it more than once. Pay attention to words, phrases, or verses that stick out to you. You may want to highlight or underline them in your Bible or write them down. Many times, that can be the Spirit's way of drawing our attention to something God is trying to communicate to us. So the first step in our simple method for reading the Bible is to read. And the second step is to reflect. This is simply taking the time to to think through what you've just read. Since we're reading the Bible as an opportunity for a relational encounter with God, the God who wants to help us flourish as human beings, it can be helpful to ask ourselves questions like these. As we reflect on the passage, ask, What do I learn about God? What do I learn about Jesus? What do I learn about myself? What do I learn about us? At times, the Spirit might guide us to an insight right away that speaks to us in a way that that feels meaningful and significant. It can also be helpful to consult the notes in a study Bible or a commentary written by a Bible scholar to help us understand the background and context of the passage, especially when we come across something that we don't understand. Trust the Spirit to lead your thoughts as you open yourself to hear from God. Maybe write out a few sentences on what you think He is saying to you. Writing it out can be important because it focuses your mind and helps clarify your thoughts. Then you're ready for the last step in our method. Respond. Now, this is a step a lot of us forget or pass up, but it's very important. You see, this is the step where we take what we've read, what we've heard from God, and we respond to Him in this relational conversation. This is where you can share with God your reaction to what you read and reflected on. It can help you to think through questions like these. How could I apply what I learned to my life? What encouragement can I take away from what I read? 
What challenge do I feel from today's reading? What will I do differently because of what I just heard? In this last step, it can be helpful to write out a short prayer to God. Ask God to help you. Thank Him for speaking to you. Remember, reading the Bible is an opportunity for a relational encounter with God. Know that He is there with you as you respond to Him. All right, one final challenge and one final encouragement. First, the challenge. You will never know how the Bible can help you encounter God and flourish as a human being until you get into a consistent rhythm of engaging God through His written word. You can do this. It will take some discipline to be consistent. It will take a willingness to slow down and be open to the work of the Spirit. But just start somewhere. Set aside time, three, five, or seven days a week to read, reflect, and respond. So that's the challenge and then the encouragement. Share what you learn and experience with others. I think we're meant to encourage one another with the ways God works in our lives through reading the Bible. So set aside some time in your small group or when you're out to lunch with a friend to share the God-breathed, human-equipping experiences you have as you read, reflect, and respond to God's Word. You see, once your soul experiences what God can do in your life through this book, you will develop a hunger for it. You will long to encounter God through through these pages. You will find what your heart and your mind need to flourish. We want to offer you the opportunity to experience that right now, right here. As we prepare to receive communion, we're going to engage in a condensed time of reading, reflecting, and responding to a passage of Scripture together. So let's start with read. Now, don't worry if you don't have a Bible close by. In a moment, I'm going to share a passage on the screen and we'll read it together. But first, let's say a prayer inviting the Holy Spirit to guide us in these coming moments. Pray with me. God, we thank you for the gift of your word, how you have breathed your life into these words and how they can impact our lives and teach us how to flourish. Spirit, we pray right now that as we look at a a passage from the scriptures, that you would direct our thoughts, that you would open our minds and our hearts, that we would receive today what you want to say to us through your written word. So we open ourselves to you. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray, amen. All right, listen as I read this passage slowly. Just pay attention to what sticks out to you. Just be present to God as you take in these God-breathed words. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all of these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us 
from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, I want you to take some time to reflect on what the Spirit is directing you to in this passage. What do you learn about God? What do you learn about Jesus? What do you learn about yourself? What do you learn about us? Let's take some time to reflect on this scripture. How will you respond to what you just read, to what the Spirit revealed to you as you reflected? I want to invite you at this time to respond by receiving communion. As we receive the bread, may it be a reminder that because of Jesus' sacrifice, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's receive the bread. And as we receive the cup, may it be a reminder that because of Jesus' sacrifice, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Let's receive the cup. I hope that this brief time of reading, reflecting, and responding to Scripture whets your appetite for more because God is present with us. He wants us to encounter Him through this book because what we need more than anything to flourish as human beings is to experience His overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love.